Joni Ernst breaks the law, Donald Trump breaks the law and ducks debates, and there's all kinds of holiday cheer. What a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Lauren McMill, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week, where we break down the week's top stories. Um, this is a busy week. Last week, we talked a lot about Senator Joni Ernst. This week, we have a little bit about her and even more about President Trump. Um, they are both, um, maybe, you're, maybe you're shocked by this, maybe you're not, Lauren. They're both breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not so shocked. I yeah. just fainted on but. our small fainting couch in here. We Scarlett, have, o, Scarlett O'Hara we, style. We do not have a couch of any kind in here. We'll start with Joni Ernst breaking the law, um, and then we'll get to the the big news of the day, which is that um, the first votes on impeachment took place in the House Judiciary Committee. But this story broke last week. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, or we talked about a dark money scandal involving Senator Joni Ernst last week, and and now there was the, a story out this week about uh, a twenty seven a twenty seventeen FEC fine that Joni Ernst's campaign had to pay, um, and and it was for knowingly accepting excessive and prohibited contributions. So and by failing to timely refund said excessive and prohibited contributions. Yeah, like so she's keeping this money that she shouldn't have received and then and then and then giving it back later on and there I think there's a good reason for that. Like a good reason that that's that that's against the law because if you take this money that you know you shouldn't get, you can use it to fund your campaign hoping or knowing that you can raise that money later on and then refund it, you know? So it's just a sham or it's just a big uh uh, money shifting game. Yeah. And that was even back in 2014, I think before we all, I mean, Citizens United had been a decision yeah, already, but, land, yeah. but I feel like there was not as much of a focus on kind of these, at least not a widespread focus on these sorts of like compliance issues that, I that I think now we're like money in politics is really, really bad. And we're starting to notice that like, Oh, they've been doing this for a while. Yeah, they. Th- this is. It's part of. I think it's a standard operating procedure for for her campaign. Is what it seems like, and and it's just. Well, she's only in. had one so far, and well, she's <laughs> one campaign, and then now the long she's uh, she's going up on over two. Yeah, I mean, and it's just it's really disgraceful that this is just how they operate. Um, this is how they're running running their race, and her fine um, uh, was reported was bigger than any. Uh, any FEC penalty uh, in Iowa dating back to the earliest records in 1980. So she is setting records for um, for breaking the law. Yeah, that fine was actually for $14,500, which I believe the next highest one is like less than $10,000. So, so by quite a bit. So by quite a bit. Also, I can't even like picture $14,500 right now. The reason this is... Such a uh, a powerful story about Joni Ernst is that it connects to what we know about her, not just in how she operates her campaign, but in how she represents us or or fails to represent us in the Senate. I mean, she takes she takes money from everybody under the sun that wants to have influence, and then votes the way they want they want her to vote. So it all kind of fits together with how she 
runs her Senate office in addition to her campaign. I mean, I, I, um, I don't know. Are you are you getting the sense that I am that like people are just getting more and more frustrated with this? I mean, I would hope so. I've been frustrated for a very long time, so <laughs> it's hard for me to tell how how other people's frustration levels are. But I I think it speaks to just how egregious these kinds of actions are like the language in the FEC complaint is that she knowingly accepted excessive and prohibited contributions and then failed to give those prohibited and excessive contributions back in the time allotted which I mean like I don't deal in I'm not an accountant I don't deal in like money but I feel like if you're not supposed to have this money you you should give it back that seems like a pretty easy thing to do well she clearly didn't they did they clearly didn't do what they were supposed no. to since they got this fine and pen, the largest penalty basically ever for for an iowa politician and and i mean there is there's so much more out there about ernst's campaign finance between the three 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 plus million from the nra from the coke uh network backing her and propping her up in the primary when she was in a primary that she was a long shot to win and they backed her and really have seen their investment pay off um and and then this new allegation uh that we talked about last week of this uh dark money group that is directly run by her campaign staff which you just can't do so there's all of these pieces that that are are painting a picture for people as we head into next year. So this week, just yesterday, actually, President Trump, I don't like those words together, um, but has been discussing with his advisors the possibility of sitting out the general election debates in 2020 because of his, quote, misgivings about the commission that oversees them according to two people familiar with the discussions. Nah, he's scared. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I read this and I just kind of felt like, can you imagine if like Hillary Clinton had won and then decided that she did not want to debate with her eventual Republican, with the eventual Republican nominee, with her opponent, and she just decided that like, no, I'm good. I'm good without that. Like people would be up in arms. People would be raging in the streets. Yeah, I don't. There would be no Fox News hosts left. Their heads would their, all their heads would just explode. Yeah, yeah, it would be over. Um, yeah, and I I feel like this just call, it kind of speaks to just like he doesn't play by the rules anymore, and he has so moved the Overton window to just a place that it doesn't. This doesn't even like phase us anymore. That I read this and was just kind of like, I mean, yeah, that seems like something he would do. It is, but it's also. I mean, like, it's upsetting, but it, like, it's also like, yeah, this seems like seems like a thing you would do. But it's also, I feel like, something that he's gonna say, and then tomorrow he could say he could challenge them all to six debates, and it would be just as meaningless because he's yeah. so full of it that like every day is something new that you have to flush fifteen times to to get over. You know, like there's just no telling what's real what's not i don't think he even probably knows what's real and what's no and i i think that just a lot of us are operating sort of under these norms that have been in place for a very long time and he just came in and was just like nah i don't want to do that and i was watching a comedian emily heller last night and she was talking about how 
she thinks Air Bud is the perfect metaphor for this because uh, she's got a bit that goes, you're just a kid who loves basketball. You've been practicing basketball. You know the rules of basketball. You showed up to that gym that day expecting to play another child at basketball. And this freaking fluffy dog who has no business on the court comes running out, distracting everybody. He doesn't know the rules. He can't know the rules. He's a dog, which I think just generally encapsulates... Trump. Trump and this entire situation because a lot of us are still like, we should play by the rules. We should like, you know, you can't you can't travel in basketball. This is a three pointer. This is I don't play basketball. I don't know the I don't know the I don't know the rules. <laughs> whatever but, the rules but whatever are. Whatever the rules are, he's not generally people want you to respect them. Like I feel like even in like the House and the Senate right now we're going through a process of impeachment that is very much by the book. And it, I, I almost feel like we're not fighting the correct way if we're like, we need to stay on this playing field and he's over here, like, I don't know, in like some nuclear radioactive wasteland that's like, come play on my turf. Yeah, well, the difference is, the I think you're spot on with that Air Bud uh, full disclosure: I have not seen the movie, so I don't. I uh, haven't either. Um, I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I don't tell you think exactly, Emily Heller had but, either. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, but in that situation, there should be referees that yeah that penalize you for whatever you're whatever you're doing that breaks the rules. And our referees are like down for the count because the FEC is only half full right now. Right, the FEC is half full. The Supreme Court has been had like two appointments have been more or less stolen by the by president trump so he has that they have that they think they have that majority we will see how that works um but thankfully the house is in democratic hands because they're upholding the rule of law and even if the senate uh as far as impeachment goes now we're just shifting into this i guess but uh but as far as but as far as Impeachment goes, if the Senate refuses to convict him and remove him from office, at least they will have to take that vote. Yeah. And at least they will be forced to be on the record about that. Um, and they'll have to have a trial of some kind that they'll have to um, that they'll have to call witnesses and, and put forward evidence. And Well, Mitch McConnell is not – I know he said that, like, he would hold a trial, but – I don't trust Mitch McConnell further than I can throw him, and True. I at do minimum, not work out that often. <laughs> at a minimum, they'll have to have a vote. So even if you want to say that the referees are slanted toward Air Bud or President Trump, it will be so painfully obvious to enough people in this country that hopefully they'll be willing to do something about it next fall. This week, the House passed historic legislation to lower the cost of prescription drug prices um, for for Iowans, for Americans. Uh, Cindy Axney, Abby Finkenauer, Dave Loebsack all voted for it. Uh, uh, Steve King, probably shocking, not so much, voted against it. What? And, and now that bill will move to the Senate where we hope but are not expecting uh, them to take action. So in order to push Senators Grassley and Ernst on this issue, this week— um, Progress Iowa, Iowa Voices, um, AFSME, ISEA, Americans for Democratic Action, Iowa Citizen Action Network, a whole coalition of people 
we sung Christmas carols and not just any Christmas carols. We rewrote songs to help uh, uh, call for action on prescription drug prices. Um, actually, Lauren and I both rewrote those this week, so that was a lot of fun. One of the best uh, groups that we had was was a terrific group of activists in Cedar Rapids who who sang um, who were singing Christmas carols outside of Senator Joni Ernst and Chuck Grassley's office. So we're going to let you listen to that now and then talk about it right after. So that was really a fun way to communicate our message and the message of so many Iowans that we need lower prescription drug prices. And what the House bill does, especially that the Senate version doesn't, is it allows Medicare to negotiate on uh, on prescription drug prices. And this is one of the biggest blocks of, of patients in the, in, in the country. Um, so it would make sense that you'd be able to negotiate with drug companies and lower the price. Unfortunately, that's not allowed right now, but this law changes that. And it would benefit not just people who are on Medicare, but people who are younger like us, people who, who rely on life-saving medication like insulin, cancer treatments, all kinds of power uh, of really powerful medicine that people really need and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on. They don't have the money to do that, so they're rationing their medicine. They're they're um, choosing between you know going bankrupt and and really saving their life. So um, I was really struck by a lot of the personal stories that that people shared about this. I don't know, Lauren, what were your thoughts on on this whole action? I mean, it was a fun, creative way to do it, but. But I'm just curious what your take was on it. I've I know a lot of people who are diabetic and I know a lot of the stories of people who especially people my age, I'm 25, who are very concerned that once they turn 26, they will no longer be on their parents' health insurance. And some of them are freelancers. Some of them are at companies that don't provide them with health insurance. Some of them are part time workers. Some of them work in retail. And the the terror, I think, of knowing that you're not going to be able to provide yourself with something that your life depends on is is just horrifying and the fact that insulin costs like a couple bucks to make and yet is sold for hundreds of dollars is outrageous and and cruel that this drug that people rely on to live healthy, productive lives is out of reach for so many Iowans and Americans. And I really hope that the Lower Drug Prices Now Act will will help ameliorate that kind of cost that a lot of people just cannot pay. So our holiday party is less than a week away now, and there are still tickets available for people who want them. Matt, could you tell us a little bit about who's coming to speak and maybe what the what the plan is for this year's holiday party? Yes, we are very excited. We have um, we have a great lineup of speakers, um, but let's talk about the program first. You're going to come to the historic Hoyt Sherman Theater, which is which is a beautiful venue. It's just a very cool space. 
Um, there'll be a, a, a gigantic screen on stage because next Thursday, December 19th, which is when the holiday party is taking place, is also the night of the December Democratic presidential debate. So we are having a debate watch party um, in the in the theater there right after our our speaking program concludes. So you'll come in, doors open at 6, and then we'll kick off the speaking program. Uh, Congresswoman Cindy Axney is expected to speak. Um, we have two awards that we are giving out this year. The first is our Marsha Nichols Progressive Advocate of the Year Award. That's given to someone who is not an elected official. This year we are giving it uh, to Robin Stone or, or, rec- or in, in her memory. Um, Robin, as you all may, might remember, was the activist in, uh, uh, from Manchester, Iowa, who stood up to Chuck Grassley earlier this year at a town hall meeting. He really got in her face as as she was talking to him about uh, about her health care, about her prescription drug costs, um, and and because she stood up to him so well, the video of that just went viral. She ended up being interviewed on Lawrence uh, on MSNBC by Lawrence O'Donnell. Um, her story really just took off, and it showed how her per- how your personal story can make a difference. So we're recognizing uh, we're recognizing her, even though she did end up passing away this fall, very very sadly. Um, her family should be there; will be there in, in attendance to accept the award the award on her behalf, and we're really really proud of that. Um, we're also naming a new award after Ruth and Tom Harkin for all of their work through over the years. Um, as elected officials, we're going to name it the Ruth and Tom Harkin Hero Award. They're receiving it this year, and then starting next year, we'll give it to an elected official in the state who has done a great job of advocating for progressive values. So they're both going to be there. They're both going to be speaking, which should be a lot of fun. And then lastly, all of the campaigns that have qualified for the debate that night are sending a speaker. So we will be announcing that soon, but there are speakers coming from all across the country to speak on behalf of these presidential campaigns. So it'll be very, it'll be a, an exciting, fun night capped off with with a debate watch and debate bingo. Right, Lauren? Yes. I made <laughs> bingo cards yesterday. So it will be, it will just be a lot of fun. Um, and it always is a good time, especially at a great venue like that. And so tickets are online. You can visit progressiowa.org. There's a link there. We'll include a link to the Hoyt Sherman website in the in the episode this week as well. So hope to see everyone there next Thursday, December 19th. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are recorded, mixed, and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.